So this is really exciting stuff. We're about to hear from a Kylie insider, a man who has worked closely on past Kylie projects such as, now just settle back and have a listen to this. He's had a hand in Light Years, Fever and Fever Live, Hits Plus, the remarkable Hits Plus, the reissues of KM94, and Impossible Princess, the reissues that is, and the spectacular greatest hits 87 to 98, 99. Lauren Ackers, you are a Kylie insider. Welcome to Time to Talk. <laughs> Thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm really well. Let's start with credentials. Lawrence, what role were you playing in Kylie World? Yeah, look, uh, back in, I think I started with Mushroom in 1999, uh, and I joined them as a, a part of their promotions team then so that's around the time that the real thing came out um and then when mushroom and festival records merged uh, i was kindly asked if i wanted to move into the marketing department and so i was working alongside a lot of the marketing managers there who were working on different projects to assist them and uh there's a fantastic guy by the name of dean mclaughlin who was uh kylie's label manager and he was always very open to my ideas as i was a big fan he was always really excited to hear what kind of ideas i could bring uh to the table as well because and as then, a fan yourself lawrence you wanted to always do something a little bit special that you knew the fans would appreciate absolutely because i think that sometimes the releases felt a little too lazy um and a little too obvious and predictable and, and in many ways it felt like we were just getting the english parts and, and re-releasing them here and it felt good to be able to you know, come up with ways to treat the Australian fans, uh, who are obviously very special with Kylie, um, to something a little bit different and a, a little bit unique. So you came on board at the point of light years, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. What an exciting time to come on board with a Kylie project, right? Because she's coming off the back of Impossible Princess. There's a question mm. mark over whether she's just disappeared into the wilderness. And you come back and obviously here the material of light years probably know this is a winner and you get to play a role in marketing it right well the funny thing was is that the real thing was actually earmarked to be a single in australia um really? but then it was uh it was pushed aside because spinning around was coming along and so they felt that it was conflicting styles musically um and there Very was a much. fear that you yeah. know it, it, that if we if the real thing was released that um it would impact on how successful spinning around could be so um, did you hear the the album tracks before it was released to the public you must have to, to do your work right we were sent promo copies of it uh really early on right um i actually remember a, a, a fmr had a, an annual conference uh and I remember one particular annual conference before the album came out. On the first night, uh, a few of the the uh, FMR team, including myself, got a little too drunk. And I remember dancing on the table to most of the <laughs> album, which would not have been a very attractive sight. Um, but it, it was just one of those classic kind of party albums. Yeah, that's um, it. It makes you want to dance. And, and yeah. also celebrating Kylie's return, because you must have known, did you, that you were on a you were all on a winner with this album uh absolutely absolutely uh, from from early on we we kind of knew that it, it every track was just absolutely brilliant yeah um I, I i particularly loved tracks like so now goodbye which to me uh feels very reminiscent of Dinah ross's the boss ah. um and at one point there they were talking about uh taking that track off the album and i <laughs> i remember being uh 
quite upset about that uh, at the time and, and uh, voicing my disappointment. Unfortunately, it stayed on the album. It's interesting because some people say it was slated as a single. Was it not ever considered I, as a single? Not not as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we have to keep in mind that the bulk of the marketing was really done with EMI UK. Your job is to market light years to the Australian public. Mm. And you say the bulk of that is conducted by, you said, EMI in, in the UK. Yeah. Take us behind the scenes of your office, though. What was going on? What were the ideas being thrown around to actually market this? Like you say, it was already uh, buoyed by the success of the two singles. What are you coming up with? What are the ideas? I was very lucky and very blessed during that period to be able to work in a company where, you know, ideas were welcomed. And so it was a very creative period, I think, during that time as well. We were really trying to think outside the box as to how we could... Um, be innovative with some of the the marketing ideas and the teaser ideas. Um, we come up with the idea of doing flashcards um, at that point. Remind the young um, people what flashcards are. Look, you know, uh, Flash was an early form of <laughs> multimedia animation on the computer before the days of HTML5 and all yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, the original kind cool. of... Yeah, and uh, we got this uh, wonderful guy named Adrian O'Hagan uh, and sent him a CD Pro and sent him the original um, Kylie images that came through the hula hoops and, and said, you know, spinning what can around, you do? Huh? Yep, yeah, yep. for spinning around. Um, and he came back with this 30-second flashcard, which ended up being um, the first introduction of that song to the world, I think. Now, I told and you before we spoke that that clip... And I'm sure there are many people like me because it had a little snippet of a song too. Yeah, I think it. I think it faded into the into the chorus of a song. It I'm did. spinning around, yep. and I just had to play that one tiny clip over and over to try and think. Oh, I wanted, now I need to hear the rest of the song. And she was moving from photo to photo, side to side. Yep. I think from memory, I never kept it. It, 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 was, it. was. It was basically um, photo negative uh, that Adrian yeah. was playing around with there. Yeah. And you know, I think we were. We knew that doing that teaser would be a great way to introduce a song. I think we were really very pleasantly surprised with the fact that that teaser went global um, and, and really caused a bit of a attention, which was fantastic. I don't know if EMI UK were particularly thrilled about that. They may have felt a little, um, a little jilted by that. But, you know, in terms of what we were doing to try to introduce the track and to do it in a really innovative way and to get people excited and curious, I think it was, was quite successful. Um, and I, we did pretty much uh, flash tracks for most of those light years um, singles. I remember the one for Please Stay uh, used to make me giggle because it, it looked like um, it was at least around Christmas time and it looked like the tree had fallen on top yes. of Kylie at the end of it. <laughs> and every time I looked at it, I just laughed. I think, okay, that might, that could have probably been done a little different. Um, uh, oh, I also remember uh, that there was a, a printing issue with that single too for memory and there was uh, almost. Yes, there was a, some copies of the single had like a almost like a um, white panels on the side uh, due to a printing error, um, which wasn't particularly great. But and were you know, there spelling mistakes on some of these singles as well? <laughs> yeah, your disco needs you had the most famous one, which became your disco yeeds you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can remember one fan on say hey saying that our release uh, for Fever was can't get you out of my yed. Uh, <laughs> Which which wasn't the case, but it was a, a very smarty, arsy kind of comment, which I laughed at. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But you, you can always rely on say hey for smarty arsy comment. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so the, it, it, in terms of a comeback album, that was um, a, a really fantastic album. How, uh, much, and, how much insight does Kylie have over the marketing of an album like Light Years? Uh, I don't know if I can answer that uh, necessarily in a sense that I, I, I don't know. I know that, um, you know, Terry was obviously very involved. Uh, oh, Terry Blamey, her manager, was very involved um, with a lot of those sort of discussions. But I think they they liaised mostly with uh, EMI UK's sure. marketing team sure. who then would direct everyone else and say, okay, well, this is the singles that are coming out. You can expect the parts here. This is the release dates that we're doing uh, and go that way. Whenever we were wanting to suggest anything different, we'd go back to Terry and say, could we do this, this and this? Um, and, and he would come back and, and say either a yes or a no. A, a great reintroduction, of course, Can't Get You Out of My Head, was uh, premiered during the um, On A Night Like This tour, which you mentioned in one of your other podcasts. Um, and that was, I guess, the first introduction to that track without knowing how massive it was going to become. And that led you into working on the project of Fever and then Fever Live yeah. thereafter. Now, yes. this must have been an incredible time, even for insiders like yourself and marketers. And I mean, how do you market something that everyone wants? Isn't that a dream come true? Yeah, it's hardly marketing, is it? Yeah, it's, because it's, they it's, deleted the single is, is what I was told because they wanted to push the album and the, the single would have sold truckloads more um but there was a some sort of logic in deleting it so that the album would sell and it obviously worked itself so what can you tell us about your work on fever uh i could tell you i'd happily never hear can't get you out of my head <laughs> a lot of fans feel that way uh, fever what can i tell you about that album uh it, again it was another period where we've we we're really enjoying the fact that we were doing releases that were quite unique to the australian market um, like what? And, what, what? What were the differences? Um, your Disco Needs You got a release here, for example, didn't it? Disco Needs You got a release here. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had some different mixes oh, on the Light Years, spinning. sorry, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we did have different mixes on the Light Years yeah, single. Yeah. We had a different uh, mix on the On A Night Like This single. Mm -hmm. um, that was one thing about the On uh, A Night Like This single release was that the, we initially, because uh, the clip was recut at the last minute, um, we, we had been sent a copy of the clip. And then we were told, no, don't use that clip. Another clip is coming. We're recutting it. And it's like, okay. But we literally were like a week or two weeks out from release. And so we had to guess at the time what we thought the clip was going to be rated. Oh, right. And As I in PG, M and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. And, and so I think it had a, either a PG rating or something like that put on, on the That's single. That's a fairly it, safe bet, you'd think. Yeah. But and then, then it came back and there was something more mature about it, wasn't there? Yeah, so it had to. <laughs> we had to change the ratings on the single, oh, dear. Uh, which led many fans to speculate or, or rumor that there were two different clips on the single, and it wasn't. It was just uh, that the wrong. You know, hindsight. I don't know if I should be admitting this. I don't know if there's any <laughs> legal ramifications around that. I don't think there would be. But um, yeah, we had to change the the rating on it based on what. Uh, the clip actually came in as a, at the end. This was um, all to do with probably that one scene where she's topless walking away, very skimpy out, yes. right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, was a bizarre clip. Raunchy for her. Did you find it a bizarre clip? I love that clip. I like the clip. 
don't get me wrong. I just found it I still it very don't bizarre. understand the clip. I just like the clip. <laughs> I think the theory was that she had died and she was a ghost going oh, around. Oh, stop it. That was a rumour at the time. That's still not... Oh, gee, are we really reopening this old wound? It can't be a ghost. It's not possible. She's just angry at her sugar daddy. That's all it's about. <laughs> yeah, I do exactly the I love the fact thing. that an insider doesn't know what it was about either. That's the mystery well, of that video clip, and let's leave it a mystery, I say. Well, that's the thing, is that there would have been a treatment written up by the the director about what the story should be mm. and submitted to the marketing team the marketing team or the A&R team would have gone yep that's great let's do that so they would know someone in someone in EMI UK knows or you know uh, some some the Kylie inside crew over in the UK would probably know we digress though so to return to fever and you must you must have sat there behind the scenes just going what the hell's happening here because no one could get enough of Kylie we were super excited. Um, you know, it, it was just for anyone working on it, just the absolute dream because whatever we did just felt like it was successful. And in fact, that that proved to have its own problems at time. I, I remember when um, I think it was coming to my world was meant to go to radio uh, or when radio heard it was going to go to radio, they jumped on the track immediately. Um, before which, it was released. Before it was released, literally weeks before it was supposed to go, which which causes problems because we want to be able to sell units of the single or the album. Because everything uh, in marketing is is planning, strategy, and and you control, right? It's but, all time. Here, yeah. we've come into my world. You're saying that it slipped out of your grasp. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure it was coming to my world. Uh, it's a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so, this, this this was obviously the period of, um, again, we were being you know, playful with what we could do uh, in terms of marketing. It was the period of the um, In Your Eyes DVD single. Um, yes. Now, tell us, which, wasn't that the first DVD single for Kylie? It was the first DVD single for Kylie. I just come back from the UK and DVD singles were all the rage there. Mm. And literally, I got back home and uh, the day before and the phone rang and uh, it was Dean saying, just got word in your eyes is going to be the next single. What what do you reckon we could do? And I said, well, in the UK, the, the, this big thing for DVD singles, we should we should look at doing that. Mm. And so it became the first Australian produced DVD single and the first Kylie DVD single. And I and it was say thank you. I truly do, Lawrence, because I was so <laughs> excited when they had a D. I went, Finally, because you, around, it's easy to forget that around that time we were all just buying CD, uh, DVD players, really nice TVs, and we wanted everything in, in the highest quality possible. So mm. to get this disc was sort of my evidence that I have this video clip exactly the way it was intended to be viewed by a fan. And it was it was a limited edition release anyway. Um, Wish I had so, sold it. Yeah, we, we produced only a certain amount, and we did... Uh, offer some to EMI UK who took uh, only a, a, a small number of, of units and then came back later on going, actually, can you produce any more? Uh, <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah, it proved to be uh, very popular. And then to, all um, the singles, uh, besides Can't You Get You Out of My Head, all the, all the singles off Fever had a DVD single release, didn't they? They did. Uh, and that, that was EMI UK who led that. Um, strangely, the Come To My World single didn't actually have the clip on it. Uh, it had a, a live clip of um, yes. from the FIFA Live. Yes, uh, I'm not did. quite sure why they chose to not include uh, that clip. Quite infuriating. When it was a you know, wonderful Michelle Gondry um, creation. Mm, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was very odd. That was the other thing I remember during that period is that um, 
one of the radio stations picked up a bootleg remix of Coming to My World um, and was playing that all the time. Really? Uh, on, on the air instead. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was a Melbourne DJ. I'm just trying to look through my notes here That's at right. the moment. Are they allowed remember. to do that, though? Uh, well, no one stopped them. Uh, it was <laughs> Melbourne DJ Dean D, and it was called the Parkside Mix, and it was Nova. Good on you, Dean uh, D. They used to play it. Um, so it was, it was you know, it, it was kind of the – I think that summed up um, just how much radio was so keen to play any of her material during that time that they would, you know, jump on bootleg mixes of it and play that instead. Let's talk about Fever Live. Fever mm -hmm. Live was, as you've pointed out, it wasn't just for DVD, which was the most important part of that project to me, but mm -hmm. also a CD that accompanied it, right? Yeah, there was a limited edition version that was DVD and CD. Um, that particular project was uh, incredibly stressful uh, because of the fact that we were contractually obliged to release exactly the same product as what was released in the UK. Okay. And so One I don't know. One would think that wasn't stressful at all then. <laughs> it wouldn't be except for the limited edition DVD CD had this beautiful shiny um, printer material on the front of it that was only available in one one uh, printing company in the world, which was based out of the UK. Right. And so in order to meet deadlines and to get things done, proved to be incredibly stressful. In fact, I think from memory, we released the standard version uh, on the, the actual release date, but then due to the, uh, the printing not coming back in time, uh, the limited edition one was released about a week later. And again, I think people thought it was some sort of marketing ploy to try to sell both. It wasn't, it was just that it, that was the earliest we can get those printed materials back. And it was worth it because this was spectacular packaging, wasn't it? It was great packaging. It was fantastic. Uh, but, you know, during that period, it was often uh, a lot of last-minute issues going on. I think you'll remember that Fever had a limited edition version as well, um, which had a bonus disc of, of remixes and, and extra tracks. Uh, and the mastering on the on the original of that from the UK was wrong. And so it meant that um, on Whenever You Feel Like It, the sound cut in and out all the time or went up and down. The and volume, so it, right? Up and down? Yeah. The volume went up yeah. and down. So in the end, uh, we agreed to press up a whole lot of new versions of it with the correct master and um, send them out to record stores so that if anyone came back complaining about it, they got the replacement disc. Wow. Do you know if many people did come back complaining about those levels? A few did. And also on top of that, we, we because we were always very uh, pro dealing with the fans directly, um, we were quite open about it on boards like Say Hey!, and said, you know, if you want a replacement disc, let us know. So we felt that we were talking directly to the biggest Kylie fan so base. The, by doing the, the, the run that had the error on it, is that now mm -hmm. a collectible? No, it's the most common version. It's it the most the one common version. Actually, Damn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, I just love that uh, DVD. That's all. I love the packaging of it. I love the actual uh, production of the concert as well. It was it was brilliant all around. Yeah. EMI UK did a fantastic job on, on that actual DVD itself. It's a, it's a great concert video. It really is. Feel the fever. I'd love to quickly talk about Hits Plus because this is mm -hmm. a real fan favourite. This, I mean, this is a pretty special project for you to work on. Was this released? This was released in the UK as well as uh, Australia. It was. Uh, BMG released it in the UK. And, and I, I guess the biggest challenge we had, uh, I guess the lucky thing that we had was that um, we had an exclusive licence direct with 
uh, with Kapali. So we could release any of the releases in Australia. So despite the fact that most of our stuff has come from EMI UK and this one was BMG, we could negotiate a deal with BMG in order to release it. Um, we were throwing around the idea at some point of, of trying to add a bonus track to it. Um, like a new again, track altogether. Yeah, you know, again, it was us trying to be clever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and think, you know, what what is it that we can actually add here? Just that, for the Australian version, you mean? Just for the Australian yeah, version. Yeah. Special and, treat, yep, yep. Yeah, and it got so, to the point where we're even, uh, we'd even thought that we would um, go for, uh, oh, try, Love is Waiting. I was trying to think of the track for a second. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and, of course, you'll notice that it's not on the Australian release, and there's a very simple reason for that, uh, being that um, we couldn't fit it on. But the funny thing is that the version that's on the Japanese version of the original album um, isn't actually an earlier version, whereas the version that's on the reissues is the final version. So there's still two slightly different tracks. Yes, one's a little bit more demo-ish, it sounds. Yep. Yep, yep. yep. Much in the same way that the Fever, we uh, the... Um, the tightrope we have on the Australian Fever is a demo version, whereas on the single version is the, the finished mix version. Yes, there's two different versions of tightrope, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was it pretty special working on this one as a fan who, who knew these were rarities really at the time and different versions and mixes? Mm. I mean, this is, this is special. It uh, absolutely is probably the one we didn't have terribly much that we could do with it. Yeah. Um, all the artwork came finished. Well, the artwork always comes finished. Uh, but, you know, it was pretty much a standard just replicating what had been released in the UK and Europe. Uh, there was, you know, nothing about it that was particularly unique or different uh, to Australia. It wasn't the same as what we could try to negotiate with Terry with, you know, some of the EMI releases that were coming up. Have you actually mm -hmm. met Kylie, talked about projects, talked about marketing? Where have you intersected with Kylie herself? Um, the first time I met her was on the uh, on a night like this tour. Uh, and it was at the after party after the first show in Brisbane. Um, and it was more an opportunity just to, you know, obviously you can imagine I was incredibly nervous. <laughs> uh, and, and going up to say hello and... and you know, I remember her asking what was my favourite part of the show and being able to talk to her about that. You know, I wouldn't say I've met her too many times. I've met her a few times and spoken to her on the phone a, a couple of times. Um, that blows my mind. At what, at what point do you need to talk to Kylie on the phone in your role? Um, I, used to, I used to work with a close friend of hers, a woman by the name of um, Charlie. Uh, or, in fact, her name was actually Charlene, and they met. <laughs> No. They met on Neighbours. Charlene used to be in Neighbours as well. And they met on Neighbours, and, and Charlene and Kylie were um, good friends. In fact, Charlie became Kylie's assistant for, for many years there. In fact, in one of, the, one of Kylie's books, she, she talks about Charlie. Um, and Charlie went on to become, um, worked at MTV for a while there and then came to FMR and, and used to sit in the office next to me and, and put up with me, you know, fanning out all the time and <laughs> she would she would offer many uh stories of her experiences with kylie which um you know as much as i would love to share i think probably should remain private but, sure, sure. um but she very because this was a, this was during a period where i was about to turn 30 and um i actually don't tell this story so i feel a bit like i'm 
name dropping, but since it's about the subject matter. Um, and so on my Please 30th proceed. Bir- <laughs> yeah, my 30th birthday, I, I went into work and and, uh, and sat down and was working away there and the phone rang and I picked it up and uh, I went, hi, it's Lawrence. And she went, oh, hi, it's Kylie. And you've got to keep in mind that um, Kylie's uh, publicist at that point was also named Kylie. Oh. And I had a friend named Kylie. And my Three response Kylies. to that... Yeah, my response to that was a confused, which Kylie? And she said, um, the little one. Oh, no. And I went, oh, oh, my God, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and and she said, you know, I heard it's your birthday. I wanted to phone and wish you a happy birthday. Oh, and my God. I, I was absolutely flabbergasted by that. You uh, got a birthday and, call on your 30th birthday from Kylie. And the funniest thing was she said uh, she'd just been nominated for a Grammy. And I said, oh, thank you. And, and congratulations on the Grammy nomination. And she went, what do you mean? Oh, she didn't know. <laughs> and I said, oh, hasn't Terry told you yet? And she said, no. And I went, oh. You're um, joking. You announced the Grammy nomination to Kylie. I know. And I thought afterwards, oh, Terry's going to be so pissed off with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like stealing his thunder. Wow. But, yeah, that's that's the other thing I can say is uh, it was for coming to my world. So... Uh, yeah, so the, the, in terms of why, that was the reason why. As soon as I got off the phone, I went next door to Charlie and just kind of smiled at her. I think I said, will you tell your friends to stop phoning me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful yeah. story, Lawrence. And and so in keeping with what we think of Kylie, that she's a generous soul, really. I mean, she's she's no diva. She's no doubt. No, absolutely not. Look, I hope this hasn't been too torturous for you talking to, uh, like, a mega psycho fan like myself. No, it's been wonderfully nostalgic, and you've got to keep in mind that I'm a fan as well. So, Which is uh, fantastic. I'm hoping yeah. that you'll talk to us one last time, though, because we've still oh. got to talk about the reissues of KM94 mm-hmm. and Impossible Princess, because that's a very intriguing period to me. And, mm-hmm. the, and of course, Greatest Hits 87 to 98, 99. Yep. That you were involved with as well. So I'm hoping you'll come back and talk about those with us, Lawrence. Yeah, sure, not a problem. Oh, Lawrence, you're a champion, mate. Thank you. No problem.